Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy, and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Welcome to Soundbreaker. On today's episode, we're talking to Ari Bernstein, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Thanks for joining us. For our listeners who might not be familiar with you, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself? Hey, Bob. Or what do you do? Yeah. Hey, Bob. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me on the show. I'm really excited. I've watched a few of the episodes on Spotify, and I have to say it's a great show. It's really interesting. So I'm really, really excited to be here. Um, My pleasure. And, uh, so to, to tell a little bit about myself, not to get too much into the details, I'm, I'm first and foremost, I'm a songwriter. I'm a producer. I've been very lucky to, to make a living from that as well for over uh, for almost 20 years now. Um, I have a long, long, I have a long time well, lifelong collaborator who's also my wife. So I'm very lucky. I actually get to work every day with my wife, Nathanim Odi, as part of the duo called Amber Revival. And um, we basically do everything together. Um, we run a publishing as well, a publishing company together with DWB over in the UK and with Sound Graphics in Japan. Um, we produce for other artists. We produce for ourselves. We work. We're also song. Um, top liners uh, for electronic music so a bit uh, some would even say a bit over the all over the place but um but we enjoy it and um well i would even say professional multitasker and um also i'm also a consultant a and r for major labels and indie labels i help them basically develop projects from scratch or sometimes they you know they bring me in to salvage whatever is needed and i also help uh, artists throughout their careers Whoa. Thank you for the summary. Definitely, we're going to get into details. <laughs> Thank you. Interesting. Love the collaboration. I guess this is the best collaboration in your life. 20 years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes, knocking wood to you and your wife. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. Um, you know, I would like you to take us back a bit. You have a very interesting background and very diverse, which make it actually more interesting to, to know. Uh, for our listeners and for us also, and for myself, who's doing the interview, I find it very fascinating and interesting. Um, Let's go back to your childhood. How did you start it with the music? What was the, the trigger point in your life that say, you know, this is why I love? Was it your parents in the music or something? You find it somewhere along in school, college, your passion for it? Well, it's actually very interesting because um, let's just say the way I grew up, I was, it was not, I was not meant for a music career at all. I actually, my entire life, I was addicted to martial arts. I was, uh, yeah, I was doing a lot of Taekwondo and Judo and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and, you know, a lot of MMA. Well, I didn't actually do MMA fighting, but a lot of like training. And uh, I was sure that, that was going to be my life. You know, I wanted to train in it and I wanted to be. Black belt? Should I say black belt? I Brown? almost reached. Now that's, that's the work. It's, uh, I was just about to basically, I was in 10th or 11th grade and I was about to do, you know, my black belt in Jiu Jitsu and my black belt uh -huh. in Krav Maga as well. Wow. And then um, what happened was, and this is a really interesting story. I mean, I've been doing music my whole life, very musical family, luckily, you know, we always played the piano and guitars, and we always had some kind of musical instrument around, but I never really got into it until one day I was sitting at a friend's house, and mm -hmm. he, just, he had just gotten a, a set of drums, and I remember mm -hmm. that moment, um, he let me hook up his electric guitar, 
It was an Ibanez, I remember, and uh, I started playing the the Nirvana riff to uh, Teen Spirit. And suddenly, from nowhere, he jumped on his drums and he started playing the Dave Grohl intro, and he started uh-huh. drumming with me. And I remember wow. this moment of just pure... I, I can't even explain it. I, you felt I never something. Felt, I had never over. felt something like it. It took just took uh-huh. over. And I remember that day, basically, it was it. I decided I want to be a musician. That's what I want to do. You found your soul. That's it. Yeah. And I basically left my training behind. Um, my coach was, my trainer was very kind. And he was like, hey, you found a new passion, you know. And from there on, just from the age of 16, I just made music every single day. And I got into songwriting very quickly as well. So. Wow, very interesting. So uh, obviously out there, if anybody who try to take any publishing from Ari, be careful. He'll take you down. He's good at grappling. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, yes. Um, as you reflect on your time as part of uh, the duo, you know, with your wife, Amber, uh, revival, uh, both in Israel and Germany uh, for almost 10 years. And uh, what were some of the lessons you learned, uh, you know, in this period as a singer, songwriter, and a producer? I think the most valuable lesson we learned, for both yes. of us, and also for me, I think the most valuable lesson was you um you don't deserve anything basically you you know it was me who decided to have a music career and it was my responsibility to work hard at it and to push forward and just because somebody won't respond to my emails doesn't mean that person is a bad person it just means that i'm not at the top of that priority you know top of that person's priority list and that's okay you know i'm not saying that people you have to be mean in this industry but this industry has a lot of people who want a lot of you know a lot of people eyeing for the for the top you know a lot of people aiming and um if you want to make it basically it's on you you can step away anytime. You can step away at the age of 30. You can step away at the age of 40, 50, whenever you want. But um, you don't deserve anything just because you're talented or just because you wrote a good song or even because you had a hit, you know? I mean, I remember the first time we had a number one billboard hit in Japan. The next day yes. we got up and we started writing again. You know, it was like nothing happened. And I remember that was what we said to ourselves. It doesn't matter. We don't deserve anything. So Amazing. I would definitely say that. You know, this is something that would validate what myself and my business partner we talk about all the time is a lot of people feel the entitlement. You know, they think because you're talented or you accomplish one thing, you're entitled, which is absolutely well said. The first one ever said it on our show that, you know, entitlement should be taken out of your head, out of your vocabulary. And just you got to be humble and do the work. Amazing. Exactly. Well said. Yes. Thank you. I guess a lot of the uh, martial arts discipline you know, actually affected your way of how do you deal with life and business, you know, later on in life. And it shows, in, yep. you know, this is amazing. Yes. It's interesting. Yes. Yeah, I, I never really thought about that, but my wife actually mentioned it. You know, she's like, you're very yes. disciplined. I'm like, hmm, you know. It but, had to do a lot with martial yeah. arts. Yeah, I guess yes. so. I mean, I've been very lucky, you know. So, um, yes. and uh, to be honest, again, you know, we worked hard. And every yes. any kind of success we had, I understand, yes. was because of our hard work, but also because of luck. And yes. it could have been anybody else. So anything that happens, any kind of success we have, we say thank yeah. you, we're grateful, and we keep on working. That's the rule, you know? That's the number one rule for us. You know, I don't know if you can hear me, but... I wouldn't call it luck, or I would call it hard work, persistent, and disciplined, you know, and you just kept showing up, 
every day you you stay at it and you're still doing it yeah absolutely absolutely yes yeah yes absolutely, absolutely. this is great um you know moving forward uh you were signed as a songwriter with concord music in berlin berlin germany yeah. um were there any notable uh, projects during this time that you could mention oh actually concord was a very interesting time in general because um we were signed about i think about a month or two after we moved to berlin we had moved to berlin to you know for a music career you know because berlin is basically this is is the epicenter i would say you know the, the cultural center of europe and we moved here and then um we were signed basically two months after that and to put a thing to really mention one project would be funny because we did so many projects at concord wow and thanks to the the amazing team over there um that we had you know we and if i can just give a quick shout out to the people that really gave us our Please. first chance you know that's what we were andrew, here for andrew campbell from steam publishing which which partnered up with concord with you know, Concord back then, and Jens Markus Wegener, who was the managing director, and also Leos Hancharas, who was the A&R, who now actually is A&R over at Universal and uh, mm -hmm. here in Germany. And um, he's, you know, he's a good friend now after, I can really say, you know, I'm proud to say after 10 years of working with him. And they were the first ones to sort of look at us and be like, you know what, you are talented. You're not there yet, but with enough development, you could get there. And they worked our butts off. I mean, they wow. were ruthless with us. Like we would send in songs after we were already signed and they would say, not good, not good. Especially Leo was very, very honest. Hmm. But then once it started, once we started hitting, you know, the right note, as you say, yes, the, the projects that started coming in, we did, I mean, we, we wrote for TV over here for like the biggest TV shows for a, a show called Super Talent, which is we <laughs> basically wrote unofficially, I would say, but more, I mean, we wrote the anthem of the, uh, of what is called like, the German version of uh, Germans Got Talent, America's Got Talent. Yes. And um, it was called The Song Ready to Go. And we wrote the yeah. festival for a really big dance festival here. And wow. we wrote twice for the Eurovision Song Contest. And uh, wow. and we had several and um, hits in Poland, everything that came through Concord, wow. you know, just these connections that happened. And again, because we just said yes to everything, you know, they would send in, do you want to do this? And we'd be like, let's go. They're like, do you want to know the details? I love and your work ethic, like, buddy. I really, you. your work ethic's amazing. Well, well thank you. It's I love a lot. that. I love that. does a lot, you know. Definitely a, aligned with what we believe in. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I appreciate yes. that. And yeah, and so the most memorable moment would just be them signing us and just giving us yes. a chance. Did you, did you also write any, uh, well, for our listeners, because I've been to Germany many times, I was going to ask if you wrote any Schlager. Schlager ah. is the folk. German folk music. Yeah, it's like the Schlager yeah. is like the country. Well, I wouldn't exactly say the yeah. country music of Germany, but it's yeah. like, like the pop Correct. folk music of Germany. Yes. Um, no, we ourselves did not because um, it's a uh -huh. uh, it's a little bit like like Nashville. You know, it's like you have to really know your craft. But we do have good friends who write the biggest hits over here, and they're uh -huh. very happy to uh -huh. do it. So uh, yeah, sure. they're, they're great sure. songwriters, and we get along. But we don't. We've never actually worked together in the studio because I mean, obviously, it's two different crafts. One of the uh, uh, one of the my favorite Schlager song was what is it uh, called? Eid zwei Polizei. I guess we're having a, a bit of uh, normal difficulties, but it's it's okay, you know. Uh, yeah, no worries. Technical difficulties. Yes. No worries. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know the song I'm talking about. 
Oh, I, I didn't hear you, actually. Um, Sorry, I guess. Uh, so you later worked uh, as a senior A&R for Sony Music Germany, uh, yeah. which is very impressive. Thank um, you. Could you please share some of the memories about that time and how, did, how this experience influenced you uh, sign and develop talent? Yeah, Sony was a very, very interesting time and a completely, it was very, I mean, it was completely unplanned. Actually, uh, I got the gig after just scrolling LinkedIn middle of the night and this message popped up. You know those messages on LinkedIn where it says, hey, this yes. job might fit you. Correct, yes. And I knew the A&R over there. I mean, Max, great A&R, great producer also, by the way, from Munich. And I was like, is he leaving? And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, so as a, half as a joke, I sent in my CV just to see like, because I've yeah. never worked for corporate. I've never done that before. I've never worked for a big company. Yeah. I've always been independent. And um, and I sent in, and I think even for my intro, they asked me to write a short intro. I wrote a joke. I literally wrote in a joke because I thought, I'll never get the jig. You know, I'm not a corporate guy. And yeah. I got a call back. And I'm like, hey, do you want to, you know, would you like to talk? And then they basically explained to me that they wanted to build up, you know, an electronic label over there at Sony. Um, and since I do have a lot of experience with electronic music, I said, hey, yeah. you know, let's do it. And then we went through the process. I met also with the CEO over at Sony. And um, I sort of presented my vision for what an electronic label in Germany and Europe can be. And yeah. they liked yeah. it. So I got the gig. And um, once it started, um, I was very, I wouldn't say aggressive, but I was, you know, first one in, last one out. That was my attitude, basically, at the office. Yes. And mm -hmm. um, within a very short amount of time, I got some very big, acts assigned to the label i mean i think the biggest one within two months was uh was was a dj called feta legrand who is one uh -huh. of the world's biggest artists and i got him to sign a track with us and uh wow. I, actually i was even surprised that he agreed but um i still have a good relationship with their management i think i just uh i hope that you know i just i was just able to present you know my vision and they liked it and um we work with great artists over there still with Iman Beck, a Grammy Award winning Iman Beck had a single with us on that label. And uh, mm -hmm. I was very lucky also to work with uh, Hardwell um, to work on a project um, and some other really great, great artists. Also some smaller artists like Mellow Kids from Poland, who I really, really appreciate. And uh, mm -hmm. and how the way it changed my perspective was I think the the, the the biggest lesson I learned working for a company like Sony is I finally got to see behind the curtain for me as yes. a songwriter and a producer for, you know, for almost 20 years, I was always the one sending in the songs, right. And working with the A&Rs to sort of work on the project for the artists, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And for me to suddenly be on the other side, I also have to say, I developed a sort of, uh, I, I developed more empathy for A&Rs mm -hmm. and for the, yes. for the corporate side. But I also, yeah have to say that I didn't stay for a long time. So um, I was there for six months and it was going very well. But in Germany, yeah. they have a trial period of six months. And after six months, it was very clear that I am not a corporate guy. I, can, I should not continue at least full time at Sony. But I would definitely say that it changed the way that I... Um, I understand major labels better now. I understand why yes. they are the way they are. And I also understand why indie labels are the way they are. And it's okay. You know, I would... I would definitely say that I, um, I'm nicer to them now. I'm not, you know, I don't have this attitude of, oh, those major labels, they just want to take my money or they just want to screw us over. No, I actually understand why they, you know, make the decisions. I don't always agree with them, but, yes. uh, but it's okay. Amazing. I mean, uh, you know, for our listeners who are going to be in inspired by after this, for this, inter this interview with you, uh, 
Oh, thank you. Are, you know, they're going to see that you should never give up. Look at you from producer, a music writer, uh, all over Europe uh, to an A&R. I'm not surprised the next interview we'll do, you'll be a CEO of some major label somewhere in Europe. Well, Definitely. who knows? You know, I'll be more than happy to um, come again to the show. As and talk a co-owner and A&R of NVA Love Publishing and also a director of a song, Cartel Music, uh, you know, uh, consultancy. And you achieved top positions on Billboard charts. Can you tell us uh, about the NVA Love Publishing song and the song Cartel and its collaborations with renowned companies, including Universal Music and Sony? Please. I hope um, the question is not too long. No, 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 no. The question is not too long. And to be honest, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what it entails. And well, I'll basically, I'll first of all, talk about NVA Love Publishing. NVA Publishing Please. is a, um, a pretty new publishing company that we are, it's a project that my wife and I, Net and my partner, are developing together with yeah. DWB over at UK. DWB yeah. Music are, have been our partners, publishing partners for about five years now or four years. Um, they're lovely people, very very committed to their writers and also very committed to the people they work with, very honest and transparent. Um, they're, you know, you know, sometimes you meet people and they're handshake people. You know, if you shake hands, you know, it's a deal. So yeah. that's the kind of people they are. So that's sort of why we also Amazing. decided to open our publishing company within their network. Yeah. And what we do at NVL of Publishing is we're trying to do things a little differently. And uh, we're trying, what we're trying to do is instead of telling the writers what to write, you know, basically briefing them on like, this is what we have. We listen to the catalog of the writers that we have at NVA Love and also at DWB together. And we try to think for them, where would their songs work? You know, because um, sometimes you'll get a writer who has a specific ability. And when you listen to it, and if you as a publisher do your homework, you actually can say, oh, I think this could really work over in France, you know, maybe we yes. should find a French lyricist, take the melodies and sort of change. And a lot of times this works. I mean, for us, it worked in Japan, you know? So Correct. why not do this for other writers? Because you, you meet a lot of songwriters who are really, really just, I mean, they're just at the end of their line and they're just saying, you know, I can't do it anymore. You know, I send in my songs, they're great songs and everybody agrees they're great songs, but they never get cut, you know, with the artists. So our job as a publisher, I think, is to be very active, very proactive and to find the territories yes for the songwriters instead of them trying to fit into the territory where they, you know, just are, you know, because music is a worldwide language, you it know, is. where, it is. you know, I, I write for, you know, I, I, we work with people in the Netherlands, we work with people in the States, in the UK, in Japan, you know, I barely work with people in Berlin, and I live in Berlin, you know, just because music is this international scene, you know, and everything happens online. So that's about NVA love. Um, Song Cartel is, um, is sort of the subdivision that we developed also at NVA love, um, mm -hmm. where um, I also added uh, my own experience as A&R over at Sony Music. And um, we're a consultancy company. We help. We loved helping young artists. Um, find their way inside the industry. Again, a little bit like what we do at NVA Love, but um, we also, with Song Cartel, we also help uh, major labels like Universal and Sony and also uh, you know other companies that I can't always mention, unfortunately, right now at least, because yeah. we're right now in the middle of And I see your network uh, in Europe, I mean, we'll say worldwide, but especially in Europe, you know, very solid network that you have that allows you to expand your, your work and your talent and all of that. Yeah, networking is, probably you know I, I would say at least 50 percent of the job you have to you have to network if you can't as yourself network find someone who can network for you because 
And networking is not just about, you know, kissing butt, sorry, yeah? It's, it's actually yes. developing real relationships with people who, who actually trust Correct. you, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. I always tell, you know, younger artists and younger songwriters, you know, if you have to be open to, to creating real relationships because some people you work with, you'll be working with them for 20, 30 years sometimes. And if, uh, you know, and if you, and if you go and you stab someone, you know, in the back now, 30 years from now, that person could be the CEO of a company and, you know, not even. You never from, know. Exactly. Not yeah. even, not even for a self-centered reason, just for, you know, for a basic human reason, just try to be nice and try to always, if you're making money, try making money for the people around you. That's always sort of like the best way to do yes. it. Yes, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so far you had an incredible journey, really. You. you and your wife, I guess, because you're both a team and you work together. Yeah. Thank you so um, much. Let's see. The music industry is known for its challenges and setbacks. Can you share uh, a difficult moment you faced uh, in your career and how did you overcome it? Well, there are a lot of moments. I'm not going to lie. Share some. Share um, some, please. A lot of moments. I would say... One of the the hardest moments and uh, was um, in 2018, 2017. Yeah. Um, we had just gotten a song into the Eurovision for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, now, um, all politics aside, it was for Russia. Now, I'm just going to put that straight out. So this was before, Something. you know, this was when Russia was part of the Eurovision. Yeah. This was way before everything that happened. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and we, we got the song with Russia. We were very excited because the Eurovision is all about not being political. You know, you write for a country, yes, you work, correct. and it's all about connecting Uniting everybody. Exactly. Yes. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, but what happened was the Eurovision itself, the competition was in the Ukraine. And I'm not going to get too much into the details, but Russia was barred from going to the competition. Now, that back meant then. for, back then in 2017, the singer, for some reason, she couldn't enter the Ukraine. And what that meant for us on a personal level is that our song was basically, you know, it was kicked out of the Eurovision that year. We, we, we couldn't Ooh. participate, you know, because she couldn't go. And um, I don't mind, like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to talk again about the reasons. It's just I'm going to really just stay focused on, like, what it did to us on a personal level and also on a creative level really was devastating. Because for me, growing up, participating in the Eurovision was a lifelong a big dream, thing. you know, yes. I mean, you know, it's, it's a huge competition over in Israel as well. You know, I think we won three or four times already and you know, it's, 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 it's a big music festival. So we got a song in. and a big door opener. Absolutely. And it was a yeah. dream. So, and then they didn't even tell us, we read through the news that Russia was barred and that the singer was barred. And then like she was banned from participating and our co-writer, uh, called us up. He back then he used to live in Moscow, and you know, hmm. Leonid. He called us up, and he's like, "I'm sorry." And we're like, "What are you gonna do?" But you know, I put on a, a strong face. But the next day, I was devastated. I'm like, "This is terrible. This is like, this is one of my biggest dreams I've ever, ever, ever wanted to do." And we already got it, and for reasons that had nothing to do with us, literally nothing to do with us. Yeah, we we wow. couldn't go. Hmm. And um, actually, um, so what happened was the next year. Um, 2018, the same singer um, got to go again, and uh, it was in Portugal. And they asked us to do actually, they asked us to try and write again. And oh. in the beginning, we were like, "But we already had a song. Like, why do we have to like do try out again? That's again. kind of unfair. Yes. Like, why don't you just take and we use the same song exactly? Or why don't you just take one of our songs? Like, why do we have to try out again if we already got it again? But you know." We said, yes. you know what, we, you know, we strapped on our boots and we said, no, 
were in it from the beginning as if nothing happened. And we did get the song this time after a while. And we did go yes. 2018 and we did participate. And it was one of the most amazing experiences we've had. We met so Love many it. people there. And I mean, it was, it, was a, it was something that, you know, it was a one, once in a lifetime experience. And if people go to my Instagram yes. page, yes. uh, Instagram.com, Ari Berstein, you'll see um, the white outfit that I wore for the live show because we were also the backup singers on stage. And they, they created this amazing, well, this crazy white suit for us, which was just, I mean, yeah. So we got to be on stage and everything. So, Ari, I know you mentioned a couple of times in the interview, you said the word luck. No, it's your determination. Ari oh, Bernstein, you. determination. You're oh, very determined, you, my friend. Thank yes, you, Bob. I really appreciate it, it. I really, really yes, appreciate yes. it. Yes, I like that. This is some of the stuff that between me and my business partners, we always value and we always uh, go by. You know, these are the certain you know, our rules in business and, yeah. you know, determination and the drive and the persistent and being stubborn, yeah. stubborn in a positive way, obviously, absolutely, in a good way, you know, to thrive forward. Yes. Absolutely. And also, putting your, you know, putting your ego aside, you know, like, yes. you know, yes. again, Always. it doesn't matter Always. how much success you've had. Every day is a new day. You know, you have to prove yourself Correct. to yourself and to the other people every day from, yes. you know, and so that's, that's no our entitlement. No entitlement. no entitlement whatsoever. Yes. Never. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, what is the common misconceptions people have about the music business or the music industry? Um, well, entitlement, that would be this, maybe the first one, you know, a lot of, <laughs> again, um, but I think the main misconception I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, some people are going to be pretty angry about what I'm going to, going to say is but, okay. uh, the biggest Please. misconception about the music industry is that people believe that, well, I'll start over again. The biggest misconception of the music industry is that people actually know what they're doing. Most people yeah. have no idea. And I'm not talking about the people who know what they're doing and they're basically holding it all together. There's a small group of people in the music industry who are holding it all together. The rest have no idea. And I've seen it live at, you know, major labels, indie labels, publishers, everything. It's, it really, really amazes me how little knowledge people have about what, you know, the music industry, uh, copyright law, royalties, how the system works in general. And, even at really high positions sometimes. I was really, I'm really thrown about I'd be at meetings with people and I won't mention any names, of course, but I- Is it a mess? Is that what you're saying? Is it a big mess? The music industry is, my, my professor at university called it uh, unorganized crime, which really made me laugh <laughs> because he said, it's so bad, it's not even organized, you know? The music this is amazing. You yeah. know, I never heard that one, but I will use it definitely. Unorganized yeah, Dr. Davey crime. Ray Moore, one of the best, one of the good guys. And he basically, yes. he laughed, you know, he called it unorganized yes. crime. And it's, it's a little yes. bit like that. Of course, there are some people like the CEO of Sony who I appreciate deeply, uh, Patrick. I, uh, you know, he, but he really knows what he's doing and he also has a oh. big heart. And um, so, but some of these people at the high positions, you know, uh, they, they have no idea. And so what I would say to artists, to songwriters and people working in the industry who are, you know, starting their yeah. way is whenever you send out an email, you know, if you feel like the people answering or replying don't know what they're talking about, they probably don't know what they're talking about. So again, put your ego aside. Don't be offended. If they don't reply, they're either ignorant, stubborn, or you're kind of scaring them because sometimes a lot of talent also scares them because a lot of untalented people work in the industry as well. So mm -hmm. again, just, you know, toughen up, 
just keep on going and find the people you like working with and just keep pushing. So yeah, the biggest, biggest misconception I would say is that, you know, that people actually know what they're doing. Um, you know, uh, would you say that we do need the help of, uh, of AI to kind of organize and get rid of that uh, slogan? If it's not broken, why fix it? I'm a, well, I'm a big fan of AI, to be honest. Um, in general, I think, um, you know, and this is actually, I also wrote, uh, Neta and I, we actually wrote our master's paper about AI a few years ago about AI in the music industry, which is very interesting because we came to the conclusion, and I still believe in that, that AI is a tool for music making and for everything. It's a tool just like anything else um, that has been created so far to create music. I mean, if you look at it, notation was a technology yes. developed to write down music that you had in your head. So now, yes. then, you know, fast forward, we had tape recorders, then we had Pro Tools, you know. I have an idea in my head, I can transfer it to Pro Tools. AI is just another tool that we can use to create the ideas and also to work, to collaborate with. And all so, the modules that they used to use in the studio with all the sounds. All, everything, everything. Yes, I mean, to create I, all kind of music. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I just tried out, to be honest, I mean, I don't know if I can mention any any like products and I mentioned like plug-in products like that I, yeah, that I use in yeah. the studio. So I, yeah. we just tried out, we just got the new Ozone by Isotope. Ozone is the master is the mastering plugin. They have this AI tool. I mean, they they already have it for a few years, but honestly, this year is just amazing. The AI, the ability to master a track nowadays with Ozone just blew me away. I mean, we've been work we've been working on a demo and stuff that we would have to really work on the mix and everything for very like really mix. So it and made master. your life easier. Not only easier, it, yeah, cool. absolutely, it made our life easier, and it yeah. basically gave us the ability to to make more songs a day meaning that we have more of a and chance better. to make money yes. better advance advancement exactly. absolutely advance exactly. yes that's exactly. the whole idea absolutely yes absolutely yeah. um collaboration is often a, a key element in the music world and you're a big fan you've been collaborating with the love of your life for over 20 years yeah. but can you oh sorry if i interrupted <laughs> no no Yes. Amazing. Um, I'll get back to my question again. You know, collab collaboration is, is a major thing and a key element in the music industry. And I know you've been collaborating with the love of your life for over 20 years. But can you share a memorable collaboration or story with someone that you work with that left uh, left an impression, an impact on you. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, I would, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, collaboration is the way I live my life. I, I'm a, I'm, I, I'm a devout collaborator. I'm a, whereas, uh, you know, I'm a, how does, how does Netta always call it? She says she's the, a serial collaborator. Exactly. Um, and, um, except for collaboration with her, I would say that, um, one of our latest collaborations with uh, with a, a Dutch duo from uh, a Dutch well from Holland called Hellsload. Um, they are both trans producers and they're up and coming. And we had a track with them that we did a year ago uh, that we top line. And 
we didn't really think about it a lot and they sort of i mean we've known them for a while just over the internet and um mm -hmm. and uh and it was signed to armada the track eventually uh, by armin oh. van buren and he oh. actually armin van buren actually heard it and took it to his personal boutique label inside of armada called armine and again we didn't think much. I mean, we were very excited to be part of the project, but we didn't really think that anything will happen. You know, we just said, okay, it'll be released. You know, it'll be fun. It'll be good to, you know, to, to, to you know. Absolutely. But it went viral, that track. I mean, the song right now is nominated for Tune of the Year at A State of Trance, which is the biggest radio show, which is Armin van Buren's radio show. It's, it's one of the high, I mean, basically it's one of the top listers over there on, on the show. And it was, I mean, people reacted to it like, you know, they've, they've been saying amazing things about it. You know, we went also, we hit the viral, you know, viral Spotify in Norway and in Finland with the track, with a trance track, not a pop track, right? So, mm -hmm. and um, so this sort of collaboration with them, um, it happened out of, and I know I might sound a little cheesy, but it happened out of pure love to music. Um, no, it's not it cheesy at all. Without any sort of uh, boundaries. That's what you're passionate and, about. Um, so for me, that, Definitely, that collaboration is one of the most unique collaborations we ever did. Great, great. Yeah. You know, I know you kind of answered part of that question, uh, but uh, technology uh, has significantly changed the music landscape and how the advancement in technology influenced your work and the music industry as a whole. I don't know if you heard me. Should I? Yeah, yeah. Ask sorry, again? now I heard you. Yeah, yeah, I heard you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How have advancements really influenced uh, just the way? Yeah, that technology. We... Yeah, yeah. Yes, how technology has significantly changed the music yeah. landscape. Yeah. Would you? And yeah, um, I'll ask it again. Yes. How have advancement in technology in the music industry influenced your work and the music industry as a well? whole? I know you mentioned in the studio. Now you're able to use certain tools that has AI in it to makes you produce better, makes you you know produce more songs, and you know make yeah. life easier for you in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, except for the studio stuff. I mean, on an A and R level or consultancy level, I would say the the data the data tools you have nowadays, you know, like SongStats or Vibrate, are just incredible. I mean, the the amount of uh, you know, when if you're not lazy, the amount of information that you can collect through these tools to make um, mm -hmm. good decisions, business decisions, also as well, you know, like before investing in a project or even you know giving something a chance are absolutely hmm. incredible. I mean, back in the day um, in A&R, you would have to trust your gut. Now, I'm yes. still I'm still uh I still truly believe that in A&R at the end of the day, your gut decision is the right decision. Like is the track good? Is the song good? Is the artist good? But, however, with the technology that you have nowadays, with the data, you know, data analysis tools that you have again, like Vibrate or like SongStats, um you can really really make a, a wise decision and uh it leaves more room for your gut. Basically, I would say that the more technology we have to to analyze the data, the more room we have now. I hope, at least. I mean, for me, at least, we have to use our gut to eventually mm -hmm. to make the, the the decision in the end. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Listen, Ari, how do you stay updated to the latest trends and innovations or changes in the industry, and how important to continue to learn? Well, I, I, I try my best to really stay. Um, I'm very lucky because um, because we also have uh, our publishing company. We get to work mm -hmm. with a lot of young song songwriters and producers. So, and we're always, you know, anytime a new plugin comes up or anything, I'm like, oh, what's that? What? Tell me about that, you know? And um, when you work with a lot of younger people, you know, Gen Zs, um, 
they will send you funny stuff on Instagram or like, hey, check this out or check this out. Or have you heard about this and this artist? And basically, I, I, I trust them to basically feed me with all the new information because um, we have this, you know, good working relationship where they trust us because we're experienced. But I trust them to introduce us to, to new stuff and, you know, whatever's happening, the latest trends. For example, mm -hmm. I learned the word riz through them. I didn't know what riz means, basically. Something has to do with charisma, I guess. I don't know. I still don't understand exactly the meaning of it, but they use it all the time. So, <laughs> uh -huh. interesting. Riz, yeah. you said? Yeah, Riz. I don't know the word. Oh, Riz. Riz, R I Z Z, okay. something with charisma. Someone who has. You know, Riz. my business partner younger than me, so maybe he knows, but exactly. he never told me Riz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe he's there. Yeah, just ask him, like, hey, do I have, ask him if you have Riz, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> um, yes, I definitely will. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people get a. Yes. Amazing. Um, a lot of people are going to be inspired by this interview. Absolutely inspired, you know, of your stories and your uh, up and down and how do you just, just the whole thing, you know, just your journey itself is amazing. Um, any tips for people who actually, when they watch the interview and the show, and they're going to get inspired by you and, you know, say, hey, you know, I want to follow some of the footsteps that Ari did and all of that. Uh, any tips for them? Any advice that kind of help, help them carve their own path in this industry and make their own mark? I think one of the best things mm -hmm. to do as a young and aspiring artist or musician is yeah. um, learn your craft, but not only on a musical level, but also understand what you're up against meaning if you want to write songs no copyright law mm -hmm. you, you have to know it I, i'm not saying you have to know it at the level of you know of an attorney but know what you're signing know what you're reading know what that means um because you can be very talented you can get signed you can get a great contract you can have money in the yeah. bank but if you signed away your rights without knowing that you signed away your rights it's not matter so from a very young age, copyright law, you know, what's the difference between a master recording, publishing, neighboring rights, you know, do neighboring rights, how do they work in the States versus the UK, you know, what is it, what is it, the difference between, you know, UK common law uh, regarding to music and, you know, how does American copyright law work? Really mm -hmm. know those differences between, before you enter territory, even as a young age, because if you know that, sky's the limit. I think, you know, yes, absolutely. Great advice. Uh, you know, you've been in the music business on both ends and, um, what's, what do you foresee, uh, the music? I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, um, if you can, uh, you know, the music industries, the distribution end of it, like what, how do you foresee it? You work for a major label, you were independent, how do you see the whole distribution thing going in the next two, three, four years, five years from now? What's your prediction? Or what's your look on it? You know, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I'm sure sometimes you sit alone and you think and you say, hmm. Yeah, um, I think major labels um, will sort of be these. Um, I think distribution wise, what will happen is there will be a lot of small companies mm -hmm. um, working um, through the big companies, through the big uh, distribution company, through the big major labels. I mean, you can see it by, you know, when, I mean, Sony, they purchased Orchid, 
distribution mm -hmm. and AWOLB distribution. Universal, I think, are starting or already started what is called the Virgin Group or Music Group or something like that. Basically, all the major labels now are opening their, their own distribution services uh, because they understand that artists don't want to sign with the major labels necessarily. But they do want sort of the out, you know, the ability to network, to use that network, to use that size of mm -hmm. network. And mm -hmm. um, I think what will happen is um, it will be a lot. It will be um, a lot of individual um, people working, basically using the services of the of the big companies. Mm -hmm. And I think also distributors like DistroKid and things like that. I mean, they'll they'll still be there, of course. TuneCore and all of that. TuneCore, I think you know, I think I think at the end of the day. Um, it really depends on what happens with Spotify, Apple Music, and all these companies the next few years because they are basically leading the way on what these companies decide. You know? Um, yes. But, what about uh, TikTok? You don't think TikTok has a major, major influence? Oh, absolutely. And how this will, will uh, how should I say, turn? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, people, you know, I mean, TikTok already when I was at Sony was like this big, you know, everybody was talking like TikTok. This is like the major big investment, you know, and I mean, if, I mean, if you look now, it's even crazier. Um, I, I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to predict anything that, you know, people will call me out for eventually. But I do think that uh, major labels will be more of more type of service providers in the future for even the bigger artists in the future. If they're not already, you know, I mean, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, major labels, most of them they hire the same people that an independent artist can hire as well. So they'll basically just be like this group of, you know, like I said, service providers, and that's how you're going to distribute. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, you know, before we wrap up this great interview that we have together, and I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. Thank you. Um, me too. Anything you want to plug in that you're coming up with? Any new project? Anything you want to mention, talk about? Just, you know, that you've been working on or something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we've been working on a bunch of projects. A new compilation is coming out. It's going to be uh, the new State of Trance 2023 year compilation by uh, mixed by Armin van Buren himself on Armada. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and uh, our song, If You Only Knew, together, I mean, Amber Revival with Hellsload, If You Only Knew, is going to be featured on that compilation. We're very excited. It's one of those compilations that I've always wanted to be on. Well, congratulations. Thank Amazing. You. Thank you. I can't wait to listen to it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank I you definitely so can't wait. Um, <laughs> well, I want to say thank you for joining us today. This concludes today's episode of Soundbreaker. Please make sure to follow us on social media or all the social platforms. And we're also available on Spotify and YouTube and all of that. And stay tuned for our new episodes. And thank you again and see ya. This podcast is presented by Music Dash, world's first AI-powered independent distribution CMS. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.